Welcome to The Wellness Connection with your hosts, Roddy Aglis and Peter McCarthy. Our program provides you with timely and relevant information on the state of your health and the topics surrounding it, such as natural remedies, green living, expert opinions, important facts, and more to contribute to your healthy lifestyle. Now, here are Peter McCarthy and Roddy Aglis. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Connection. I'm your co-host, Radia Gleese. And I'm your co-host, Peter McCarthy. Today's special guest on the Wellness Connection, Dr. Keisha Ewers, PhD, will tell you why digesting your emotions is just as important as digesting your food. And on our Health Freedom segment, returning guest, attorney and activist Jim Turner, will discuss the legal ramifications of the recent events surrounding unvaccinated vaccinated children in Rockland County, New York. Plus, our usual segments, the supplement of the week, the burning question, and the drug-induced nutrient depletion report. But before all that, Radia, you have some good news about our old friend vitamin D, don't you? Oh, yes, I do, Peter. A recent study on vitamin D supplementation showed that it had beneficial effects on inflammation and oxidative stress among women with polycystic ovary syndrome. The systematic review and meta-analysis of randomized controlled trials was published in the journal Hormone Metabolism Research. Sources included the Cochrane Library, Embase, PubMed, and Web of Science databases. Two researchers independently assessed study eligibilities, extracted data, and evaluated risk of bias included randomized controlled trials. The findings showed that Vitamin D supplementation in women with PCOS significantly decreased high-sensitivity C-reactive protein and malondialdehyde, MDA, and significantly increased total antioxidant capacity, uh, TAC levels. Well, you know, this is really an interesting um, uh, finding about vitamin D. It's one more thing that's important for vitamin D to be included in someone's daily diet. Yeah, and we certainly see also, you know, we talked about this before, D-chiro inositol is also very, very important for PCOS. Right. But uh, I think this is an interesting uh, inclusion in vitamin D supplementation. We're just seeing it, you know, springing up beyond, beyond, beyond bone and immune. We're just seeing it in so many applications. Yep. Yes, we are. And Peter, your report brings us much more good news about the importance of fitness. That's right, Roddy. According to a new study, how fit one is may offer a clearer forecast of lifespan than other more traditional markers such as high cholesterol, diabetes, smoking, and high blood pressure for seniors. The study, conducted at Johns Hopkins School of Medicine, involved over 6,500 people aged 70 plus who had exercised stress testing done between 1991 and 2009. After testing, subjects were followed on average 10 years. During the follow-up, 39% had died. Those who were most fit were found to be more than twice as likely to be alive a decade longer than those who were the least fit. Fitness was found to be a strong risk predictor of survival in the elder age grouping, regardless of being otherwise healthy or having cardiovascular risk factors. 
Suggested exercise included using a treadmill or stationary bicycle as the best way to assess fitness and physicians also asking about physical activity habits, which would give a general idea of a patient's fitness. Those who are sedentary or don't exercise would benefit from a routine starting with low to moderate intensity exercises, but of course should talk with their physicians first. So one more indicator that, you know, fitness, overall oh. fitness, yeah, there you go. Absolutely. Oh, I got to get back to my Zumba classes. <laughs> yeah, there you are. And now it's my great pleasure to introduce our special guest for today, Dr. Keisha Ewers, PhD. She's an integrative medicine expert who has been in the medical field for over 30 years. She's a family practice advanced registered nurse practitioner psychotherapist and herbalist. She's, a board certified, she's board certified in functional medicine and Ayurvedic medicine and is the founder and medical director of the Academy for Integrative Medicine Health Coach Certification Program. After conducting the Healing Unresolved Trauma or HURT study in 2013, she developed the HURT model for understanding how past childhood trauma impacts adult health. This led to the creation of the You Unbroken online program for patients to heal their own trauma and the Mystic Medicine Deep Immersion Healing Retreats she leads at her home on San Juan Island, Washington. Dr. Keisha is a popular speaker, including at Harvard and from the TEDx stage, and is the best-selling author of several books, including Solving the Autoimmune Puzzle, The Woman's Guide to Reclaiming Emotional Freedom and Vibrant Health. Dr. Keisha, welcome to the Wellness Connection. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, well... We're very excited to have you. And let me ask you, Dr. Keisha, you have an interesting personal story about how you were led into your current field. Please tell our listeners about that. Oh, yes, thank you. You know, it's so interesting because a lot of people in my space that start practicing medicine from a root cause level have a story you know, of their own. And that's definitely no different for me. Uh, I was in a strictly Western medical paradigm until, as a registered nurse until I was 30, and then I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease called rheumatoid arthritis. And according to the Western model, rheumatoid arthritis is incurable, and I was given two prescriptions. Uh, one was for a cancer-fighting drug called methotrexate, and another was for a very strong non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug. And when I asked my doctor, is there anything else I can do? You know, I don't really love the side effect profile of either one of these medications. She said, I'm sorry, my dear, you have drawn the short end of the genetic lottery and that's it, you know, and come back when you get worse, not if you get worse. And, you know, I just thought, gosh, so my grandfather had RA, but does that really mean that I have to become wheelchair bound like he was and that I have to die young like he did in a lot of pain. And I decided I didn't. And I started doing a lot of research and I found an article in a science journal about autoimmune disease and yoga. So at the time I was a marathon runner and probably couldn't even touch my toes when I bent over. I don't know, but I went to my first yoga class and during the course of that class, the yoga teacher said the word Ayurveda, 
which is the sister science of yoga. It's the medical arm, you could say, of yoga, about 5,000-year-old framework of medicine. And it was intriguing enough to me that I went home from that class and looked it up on the Internet. And what I discovered was really interesting. In fact, it was so revolutionary to me, and people often laugh when they hear me say this because for me, this idea that we're not all the same was brand new. Because, you know, in my, my model of medicine, we prescribed medications and we expected everybody to be standardized because that's what we call it, standardized medicine, evidence-based medicine. And that we expect people to behave in the same way in response to those drugs, even though life proves over and over and over again that that's not possible. And so it made sense to me when I read this, even though it was sort of this new paradigm of thinking. And another thing I learned is that Ayurveda says that autoimmune disease is undigested anger. And that was also very life-changing for me because I was a consummate people pleaser and a, a perfectionist. And I remember thinking, I'm not an angry person. <laughs> and so, you know, I thought, okay, I better discover what they're talking about here. And I learned how to meditate. And one day when I was meditating, this word, autoimmune started dancing in front of my third eye space and I was looking at it with my eyes closed and I thought gee autoimmune means I'm attacking myself in effect I'm killing myself and so I can't blame this on anything else so when was the first time I wanted to die because I don't now and so I went backwards in my life and I landed on this 10-year-old little girl version of myself who was being sexually abused by the vice principal in my elementary school. And I remember thinking, oh, I should have been angry, but I was scared. And so I never have had anger about this. And so, of course, it's undigested. It's sitting in my body making me sick right now. And it just made so much sense, that statement, autoimmune disease is undigested anger. And so I started working on it. And within six months of changing my diet, working on trauma release, doing a lot of different things, I was able to reverse my RA. And I haven't had it since. I'm 54 now, so it's been 24 years. So it's possible to, to actually have your genetics express themselves in different ways if you can really ask those questions like, not how do I get out of my suffering as rapidly as possible, but why do I have this? And what is it here to teach me? And what do I need to learn to get myself in a better state of balance? So that's my story. Wow, that's quite a compelling story, Dr. Keisha. Now, uh, as we mentioned in your uh, introduction, uh, you conducted a study. Uh, the acronym for it is HURT. What exactly the HERT study. Please share that with our listeners. So in the course of my, you know, after I, I got myself better, I went back to graduate school and I opened up my own medical practice after I graduated. And a lot of people were coming to me asking me for bioidentical hormone replacement. And, you know, it's so interesting because I would say, well, why do you think you need hormones? You know, what's going on for you? And I would have all these women and some men saying, well, I have low libido. And then I would ask the follow-up question like, well, do you like your sexual partner? Or 
Have you ever had libido level that you're satisfied with? Or when was the last time you had a libido level that you liked? And I would get these answers like, well, he had an affair five years ago and they'd be crying, you know, and I, I've forgiven him, but I don't really want to have sex with him. Or I've never had a libido level ever. Or uh, it was, I had one until I had my first child or I got laid off at my job or I got a promotion, you know, and I would say, you know, estrogen and progesterone and testosterone are not going to help these issues. And so what I started realizing is that there was so much more to health and vitality than hormones and that there was nothing in the medical research that was indicating this. So I did a study and what I asked the, the women in my study, it was a small pilot study of 100 women. And I, I asked questions like, you know, if if somebody, your sex partner comes along and pushes a button, you know, like I'm not good enough or, you know, I, I feel like my body isn't where I want it to be. So therefore I don't want my partner to see me or an old hurt from the past. Does your libido level go down? And it stands to reason. I mean, it seems so obvious. Well, of course it does. Right. But there wasn't anywhere in the science that said that. So then I took it further. And what I discovered is that when we're children, uh, brains are not fully developed. In fact, we don't have our full adult prefrontal cortex developed until we're 26 years old. And so when we're kids and we're learning how to be humans, little humans in a world of big humans, we go through these experiences that are new for us. And if we can't explain them or figure them out, you know, sometimes it's sexual abuse. Sometimes it's being rejected in the lunchroom or not picked for the baseball team. Sometimes it's watching your mother get beaten by your father, you know, like just, events that nobody's there to help you explain that cause fear or anxiety or a sense of rejection or isolation or anger, what will happen is we feel those for the very first time when we're kids, and then we make up a meaning about them. And because of the stage of development we're in in childhood, it's going to be a self-centered meeting. In other words, when parents get divorced, we usually say, somehow it's our fault, right? And so when we go through these kinds of experiences, if we don't have a well-attuned, very grounded caregiver at our side to help guide us through them, we're going to make up a meaning that fits a child mind. And then we're going to put in place a belief that matches that meaning. So in my case, I'll use this as an example. When I was in elementary school and I would get called to the principal's office, I would go instantly into a fight or flight, you know, sweaty palms, break my pencil, panic attack. And the, the vice principal was telling me that this was happening because I was a bad kid. So the meaning I made up about that was that I'm a bad kid. And the belief that I put in place is that I have to be perfect to even survive, not just be perfect to be loved, but to just survive. And so the behavior that we then create as an adaptation mechanism to our belief and our meaning is going to be whatever we carry into adulthood. For me, it was perfectionism. And I'm, after all these years of studying this, I have discovered that there's nobody with autoimmune disease that is not a perfectionist. And so now I'm a recovering one. Oh, so God. this is the way the hurt model is set up, right? And we get an opportunity in adulthood when someone comes along and pushes the button that we created in childhood to self-confront 
And the only way people get better and are able to reframe these old beliefs and change these behaviors is by self-confrontation, being willing to say, is this actually true? What is it that I could replace this with? So this is why behavior change doesn't work very well, like for eating addictions or any kind of addiction, honestly, you know, if you just say, I'm going to stop doing that, that doesn't work. You have to get underneath the meaning and the belief you created as a kid that instigated that behavior in the first place. Heal that, and then you can change the behavior. So that's the hurt model. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, we've only got uh, about a minute here before the break, but uh, you mentioned uh, the phrase digest emotions. How do we digest emotions? We digest them just like we do food. You know, you put a bite of apple in your mouth, saliva gets released, it goes down your esophagus into your stomach acid, enzymes from your pancreas and bile from your gallbladder and liver, and then it goes down into the small intestine. And we absorb the nutrients from it and the nourishment, and whatever we don't need, we get rid of. Our emotions and feelings and beliefs and memories and experiences we digest in much the same way. We're supposed to get the nourishment that we need from it and digest that, get rid of what we don't need from that. And we don't do that. We're not taught to do that. I just think it's such an elegant way of understanding this. You know, um, my example is a perfect one of, oh, this had to have been a place where I should have felt angry. So, of course, this is still in my body. I haven't dealt with it. And talk therapy does not do that. You can't just talk about it. You could go out with a girlfriend or a friend on the golf course and talk about it. That doesn't do anything. You actually have to go through a process of what can I glean from this as wisdom and learning, and then what is the rest of it that I can get rid of. And that's done in a whole process that I teach. Mm. So digesting instead of stuffing down is what, uh, right. what you prescribe. Or self-medicating or numbing out, exactly. Or ignoring or putting in the closet and slamming the door and turning off the light and hoping it doesn't come back out again. Well, we'll continue our interview with Dr. Keisha Ewers after this brief message from our sponsor, You're listening to The Wellness Connection on Voice America Digital Radio Network. Balance and good health, two essential building blocks for a full and rich life. But sometimes in our complex and stressful world, both can be lost, and you need to find a natural way to get them back. Enter CBD oil, a natural approach to restoring harmony to your body and your life. But not just any CBD oil. For natural results, you want to be sure the CBD oil you use is produced the right way. Wave Organics offers pure CBD oil from hemp raised naturally on farms in Colorado. The oil is extracted using supercritical CO2, which is free of toxic solvents. In fact, Wave controls every step in the process, offering quality control and natural approaches from seed to shelf. Visit WAAYB.com to learn more and use the code WellnessConnection for a 10% discount on your first order. Wave Organics, pure natural CBD. You're 
listening to The Wellness Connection. If you have a question or comment for Peter Aradia, please send it via email to thewellnessconnectionahi at gmail.com. That's thewellnessconnectionahi at gmail.com. Now, let's return to this week's show. And welcome back to The Wellness Connection uh, and our continuing interview with Dr. Keisha Ewers. Dr. Keisha, how can the brain be rewired once it's been altered by past trauma like you described in the first half of the interview? Oh, such a great question. And I would like to start with the answer by saying that people that are tuning us out because they say, oh, I wasn't sexually abused, physically, emotionally, psychologically, or spiritually abused, so I don't need to actually, this isn't relevant for me. There was a study that was done that showed that the same brain changes that occur for people that have had those what I call capital T traumas happen in people that say that they're chronically overwhelmed or stressed. So if you're constantly thinking, I'm too busy, I can't get this done, my task list is you know, constantly regenerating itself, I never get to the bottom of it. Actually, that's causing the same exact shrinkage of your adult prefrontal cortex brain mass and an increase in volume in your amygdala or that fight or flight responder. And it causes more hypervigilance in you, which creates more of this vicious cycle of inflammatory, autoimmune, hormone disruption kinds of cascades in the body. And so it causes brain damage to say you're stressed all the time. And that's, I want people to really understand that. That's lowercase t trauma. And so the way that we rewire the brain is, as I said in the first part of the interview, you can't just talk about it. That doesn't do anything. Because when you sit down with a therapist and you talk about past trauma, you're speaking from your adult brain. And what we have to do is we have to connect, we have to build a bridge between the child brain, which is going to be that amygdala part, and the front part, the prefrontal cortex. And that can be done in several different ways. So the kinds of therapy you want to look for is going to be like uh, eye movement desensitization reprogramming or EMDR or brain spotting or clinical hypnotherapy. And uh, there's a process I do too that's, um, uh, I call it the medicine wheel. And I do it in a group process and in a deep immersion retreat setting so that you don't have to, it's more powerful than just doing an hour long go to the therapist's office and come back. It's like three and a half days of doing this and you get a lot more rewiring done in that kind of a setting. And so that's the kind of thing you're looking for is actual trauma release rewiring of the brain rather than sitting around and cementing your story and further (laughs) by repeating it over and over again. You know, we want to move from this sort of, all of us have been victims in our lives, all of us, of something or another, and we've all been perpetrators. We have victimized someone else along the way, too, maybe unknowingly and sometimes knowingly. And so we all play these parts in, in this human life, and it's important that we can understand that, and then you can go into a higher human growth and developmental level when you can start saying, oh, this 
all of this that has hurt in my life has been done for me, not done to me. It's been done for me to learn so that I can have an expansion of consciousness and I can grow and have, I call life a spiritual gymnasium and the challenges that we have are, are resistance training. You know, if you just move your bicep up and down, you don't get a, a bicep muscle that gets stronger until you put a weight in it and then move it up and down. And so it's the same with our character, right? Until we have these kinds of challenges, we don't grow in empathy and true compassion and we don't expand our consciousness. So all of these challenges that we really don't want to endure, <laughs> we try and run away from as quickly as possible. Once you get into a certain developmental level, you start saying, oh, all right, let's roll up our sleeves. Let's do this, you know, because you know that the outcome is greater wisdom. Um, you know, an important part of your work involves something called freedom framework. What exactly is that? That's a lot of what, uh, what I just said is, is providing freedom. And so the framework that I use, I always think about each person as an individual puzzle. And again, this is more along the lines of one size can never fit all. There's no one diet, no one meditation style, no one exercise regimen that's going to be the same for everybody. And so the freedom framework is understanding that you're a puzzle. And if, if we want to solve a puzzle, we open the box, we put the pieces, pour them out onto the table, we turn them over. And the first thing we always do when we're putting a puzzle together, if we know how to do it right, is we go get those four corner pieces and we put them in place. And then we go look for all the edge pieces and we put the frame together. And the freedom framework is designed as four corner pieces that will be the same for each person. So if you have depression, anxiety, a weight issue, or a disease like cancer, autoimmune disease, or heart disease, the same four corner pieces are what you start with. Your genetics, that's number one. Number two is your digestive health. Number three is your level of toxicity and your body's ability to get rid of those toxins. And number four is your current day stress and your past trauma. And then the edge pieces, the first edge is, consists of what I call uncovering the root cause, which is going to be found in your body, your mind, your heart, your spirit, and your story and how you tell it. And then the second thing you do is you want to confront your laboratory data. So you want to do laboratory work that actually is going to get underneath figuring out why this is all happening. You want to pay attention to your libido level, your quality of sleep, your relationship satisfaction. All of these are data points. And then the third edge piece of the puzzle is confronting and connecting the dots between the lab data and what you, how you feel. So it's your lifestyle choices that created those laboratory data points. And now you're connecting those dots. Am I burning the candle at both ends? And that's why my hormones are shot. You know, am I in an abusive relationship? And no matter what, if I can't deal with that, I'm not going to get better in physicality. You know, so you're looking at all those lifestyle choices. Am I eating a bunch of sugar? Am I allergic to certain foods, but I'm eating them anyway? And then the fourth edge piece of that puzzle of the freedom framework is called creating the life that you want with intention instead of what I call your factory default settings, which are going to be those early meanings, beliefs, and behaviors that you carry forward from childhood. 
So it's really taking a look from a very holistic perspective and filling in your puzzle as if you are unique, because you are. That's wonderful, and thank you for sharing all of that. Um, one of the tools in your toolkit uh, currently is the Integrative Medicine Health Coaching Program. Would you please share with our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, so if anyone is, is listening to me and you're somebody that everybody comes to and asks questions about because you're a good researcher and you have figured out how to make yourself better, and you, you know, I, I created a health coaching program for the people that I call summit junkies or radio show junkies. You know, they, they love information, but they get confused and overwhelmed because they're not quite sure how to personalize it. I have this health coaching program where I teach people to do what I do. They learn the freedom framework and they learn certain functional medicine testing and protocols that go with it and dietary stuff and also this emotional healing piece and some Ayurvedic medicine and some functional sexology. And so what we're doing is we're learning what the whole life looks like in a person and you're learning how to coach people through using that freedom framework and you can heal yourself. It's a very transpersonal program and then you can make a living doing it for other people if that's something that you're called to do, but you never went to medical school. Hmm. Well, how can our listeners learn more about you and your activities? My website is drkeesha, drkeesha.com. And, you know, it has how you can work with me as a patient one-to-one, how you can attend a retreat if you want to do immersion trauma release or how to go through the health coaching program. And then there are a lot of do-it-yourself programs in there too. If you are a self-starter and you just want the information and you want to know how to get started. So Mm -hmm. there are four different ways of working with me. Do you do any like long distance phone consultations or things like that? Yes, we have this amazing platform that we're using right now called Zoom. And I work with people all over the world using that. And it's just such an amazing, I, I really think that technology sometimes gets in our way. But in this case, it allows people to access the best of care wherever you are in the world. So I, I work with people all over the world. Well, that's that's great, Dr. Keisha. And, you know, we know you have so much more to share with us, but that's all the time that we have for today. Thank you, Dr. Keisha Ewers, for joining us on The Wellness Connection. Thank you. We'll be right back after this brief message from our sponsor. You're listening to The Wellness Connection on Voice America Digital Radio Network. Do you have trouble with nervousness, trouble relaxing, or turning your brain off at night to fall asleep? Then we may have a natural solution just for you. Calming Cream from Neurobiologics, created by a leading neurosurgeon, provides five essential ingredients to help relax the neurotransmitters of the brain. Who wouldn't want to relax or wind down with a great-smelling lotion? Visit neurobiologics.com or coffeewithdrstewart.com for details. Neurobiologics, we are changing lives one formula at a time. Do you or a family member have trouble concentrating, staying on task, remembering things? Does everyday life stress you out or are you in a bad mood? Well, we may have just the solution. 
Neurobiologics' new nutritional formula, Full Focus, created by leading neurotologist and neuroimmune specialist, Dr. Kendall Stewart, with 12 active ingredients carefully crafted by a physician to maximize brain performance, memory, and mood. For more information on this product and to view a video by Dr. Stewart explaining how Full Focus works and may be helpful to you or your family, please visit neurobiologics.com. Neurobiologics, where our mission is your health. You're listening to The Wellness Connection. If you have a question or comment for Peter Aradia, please send it via email to the Wellness Connection AHI at gmail.com. That's the Wellness Connection AHI at gmail.com. Now, let's return to this week's show. Well, Rania, you know what that means. It's post time, time for the supplement of the week. And what supplement are we posting this week? About 90% of non-melanoma skin cancers and 86% of melanomas are associated with solar UV. And more than 419,000 cases of skin cancer in the U.S. each year are linked to indoor tanning. Now, (laughs) you know, I don't do indoor tanning, but Peter... As you know, you know me, I grew up in Southern California and spent most of my youth slapping baby oil on and laying on the beach like a slab of bacon. (laughs) (laughs) I'm paying the price now big time. I just had several basal cell carcinomas removed and precancerous spots need to be constantly monitored. Yeah, UV exposure wreaks a lot of its havoc on the skin by generating free radicals, those nasty little unstable oxygen molecules that produce inflammation and damage cell function and your skin's DNA. This DNA damage can cause mutations that lead to skin cancer. And that's why we need antioxidants, including vitamins and other nutrients to help fight off free radicals and prevent the damage that they do that can cause skin cancer. So starting with vitamin C, E, and A long ago, scientists discovered that some properties of vitamin C are toxic to cancer cells, and both E and A have many abilities that could make it an effective skin cancer preventive because it helps prevent damage from free radicals, absorbs energy from UV light, has potent anti-inflammatory effects, and improves the ability of the skin to act as protective barrier. And zinc helps keep the immune system functioning efficiently to fight cancer. And in a recent major review of 16 studies involving more than 144,000 people reported that those with a higher intake of selenium have a 31% lower risk of cancer at any site and a 40% lower risk of cancer deaths. So while beta-carotene supplements have not proven to help prevent skin cancer, diets high in beta-carotene-rich fruits and vegetables may reduce the risk of some cancers. And omega-3 fatty acids reduce inflammation and inhibit COX-2, a chemical that promotes skin cancer uh, progression. And here, for all of my Italian friends, lycopene. Um, A 2010 study in the British Journal of Dermatology uh, that tracked patients regularly eating tomato paste against a controlled group that didn't um, found that after 10 weeks, the lycopene eaters were 40% less likely to be sunburned. 
Uh, and studies have shown that polyphenols in green and black tea can help prevent cancer, skin cancer. Yep, and the uh, New England Journal of Medicine published a randomized controlled trial performed in Australia that showed the risks of basal cell carcinoma and squamous cell carcinoma were significantly reduced by 23% with the intake of nicotinamide, a form of vitamin B3. And I just added niacinamide, which is nicotinamide, by pure encapsulation to my supplement regime. I recommend starting at 500 milligram of niacinamide twice a day for all you folks with a history of a basal cell carcinoma or squamous cell carcinoma or with extensive skin damage due to sun exposure. That would be me on all accounts. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you remember, right? You're talking to an Irishman with mm-hmm. type 1 Irish skin mm-hmm. right there with you. Mm-hmm. One caveat, very important, is that the niacinamide must be taken continuously as the benefits are lost once stopped. Well, now it's time for the burning question where we answer those important health questions that you, the listeners, send in to us. It's important to note that any diagnosis of disease can only be provided by your medical doctor or other licensed healthcare professional. None of the information we present is intended for the diagnosis or treatment of disease. And today's burning question was submitted, uh, what's the subject today? Well, to vape or not to vape? That is the question, Peter. (laughs) Kaya from San Diego asks, is vaping the same as e-cigarettes and are they safer than smoking tobacco? Well, Kaya, electronic cigarettes are often referred to as cigalikes because they were created to imitate the look and feel of traditional combustible cigarettes. When pressing the power button on the device, or in some cases simply by inhaling, the battery heats an element in the device called a cartomizer. Vapes, on the other hand, use a rechargeable module, it's kind of like a little box, combined with interchangeable e-liquid. Vape users users like the uh, broad range of options available and the variety of devices and liquids available. Uh, Generally, a little larger than an e-cig, vapes also tend to offer longer battery life, but basically they're the same thing. Now, as far as the issue of safety, well, the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine released a consensus study report in 2018 that reviewed over 800 different studies. The results of the report made clear using e-cigarettes causes health risks. It concluded that e-cigarettes both contain and emit several potentially toxic substances. These chemicals include acetaldehyde, acrolene, and formaldehyde, volatile organic compounds such as benzene, which is found in car exhaust, and heavy metals such as nickel, tin, and lead that can cause lung disease as well as cardiovascular or heart disease. They also contain acrolein, an herbicide primarily used to kill weeds, which can cause acute lung injury and COPD and may cause asthma and lung cancer. And don't think that vaping is better for secondhand exposure. In 2016, the Surgeon General concluded that secondhand emissions contain nicotine, ultrafine particles, uh, favoring uh, or flavorings such as diacetyl, a chemical link to serious lung disease. 
The Academy's report also states that there's moderate evidence that youths who use e-cigarettes are also at risk for cough and wheezing and an increase in asthma exacerbations. Well, we hope that that uh, answered your question, Kaya. You can submit your own burning question by sending it to us at the Wellness Connection AHI at gmail.com. That's the Wellness Connection AHI at gmail.com. Tune in every week to hear if your question is being answered on the air. And we'll be right back with important information about drug-induced nutrient depletion and our health freedom update after this brief message from our sponsor. You're listening to The Wellness Connection on Voice America Digital Radio Network. Do you have trouble with nervousness, trouble relaxing, or turning your brain off at night to fall asleep? Then we may have a natural solution just for you. Calming Cream from Neurobiologics, created by a leading neurosurgeon, provides five essential ingredients to help relax the neurotransmitters of the brain. Who wouldn't want to relax or wind down with a great-smelling lotion? Visit neurobiologics.com or coffeewithdrstewart.com for details. Neurobiologics, we are changing lives one formula at a time. Do you or a family member have trouble concentrating, staying on task, remembering things? Does everyday life stress you out or are you in a bad mood? Well, we may have just the solution. Neurobiologics' new nutritional formula, Full Focus, created by leading neurotologist and neuroimmune specialist, Dr. Kendall Stewart, with 12 active ingredients carefully crafted by a physician to maximize brain performance, memory, and mood. For more information on this product and to view a video by Dr. Stewart explaining how Full Focus works and may be helpful to you or your family, please visit neurobiologics.com. Neurobiologics, where our mission is your health. listening to the wellness connection if you have a question or comment for peter aradia please send it via email to the wellness connection ahi at gmail.com that's the wellness connection ahi at gmail.com now let's return to this week's show Welcome back to the wellness connection this week's drug induced nutrient depletion updates features opiates such as oxycodone and hydrocodone. And the nutrients they deplete are folic acid, vitamin C, iron, and potassium. Signs of folic acid deficiency is anemia, weakness, apathy, sore tongue, headaches, palpitations, hostility, paranoid behavior, and GI disturbances. And signs of vitamin C deficiency are connective tissue defects, for example, gingivitis, rash, internal bleeding, and impaired wound healing. And signs of iron deficiency are extreme fatigue, weakness, pale skin, fast heartbeat or shortness of breath, dizziness and lightheadedness, blanched, spooned, or brittle nails. The signs of potassium deficiency are weakness and fatigue, muscle cramps, muscle aches and stiffness, tingles and numbness, heart palpitations, breathing difficulties, digestive symptoms, and mood changes. So always be extra cautious when you or your family members are prescribed opioid medication. If you must take them, take as little as possible for the least amount of time. And tell all, tell all of your providers about 
um, all of the drugs that you're taking because there's interactions. And try and use other painkillers such as non-narcotic analgesics and even curcumin or CBD. Yes, so if you purchase these drugs, be sure and talk to a qualified pharmacist or wellness consultant to help you with finding the right supplements and dosages to complement your drug prescription. And now it's time for our health freedom segment. Each week during this segment, we'll be talking with renowned experts and advocates about our most precious right, the right to bodily integrity, the right to decide what we put into our bodies and how to care for them. Some of us call that health freedom. Today's returning special guest is attorney and activist Jim Turner. A principal in the law firm Swankin and Turner, he represents businesses as well as individuals and consumer groups in a wide variety of regulatory matters concerning food, drug, health, environmental, and product safety matters. He has appeared before every major consumer regulatory agency, including the Food and Drug Administration, the Environmental Protection Agency, Consumer Product Safety Commission, and Federal Trade Commission, as well as the Department of Agriculture and the National Institutes of Health. Mr. Turner has served as special counsel to the Senate Select Committee on Food, Nutrition, and Health, and to the Senate Government Operations Subcommittee on Government Research. He's also been a policy consultant to major corporations in the food, pharmaceutical, and telecommunications industries, including such companies as Kraft Foods, the Quaker Oats Company, Hoffman LaRoche, and AT&T. He's a graduate of the Ohio State University of Law School of Law. And Jim, welcome back to the Wellness Connection. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Jim, uh, you graciously consented to appear on the show on short notice, and thank you very much for that, to address the extraordinary events regarding the vaccination mandate ruling that was enacted in uh, Rockland County, New York. Would you please tell our listeners what happened there? Well, uh, they uh, basically used um, uh, an alleged quarantine right, uh, essentially, and said that uh, children who aren't uh, vaccinated uh, with measles cannot uh, be out uh, in the community. Uh, that's basically it. Um, and, uh, they, and that's a 30-day statement, and uh, they have left it open to be um, uh, re- uh, extended again after 30 days from now. So that uh, we have now an extraordinary um, uh, extension of a, of a local community, a government community, into the lives of uh, families. And uh, this is uh, making it clear that we're in the, in the state of a, a kind of hysteria. Uh, this is not the kind of thing that uh, you would expect to have uh, here in this country. Um, and it's something that needs to be really taken very, very seriously and looked at quite carefully. And first of all, it should be rolled back immediately. It's just not, it's just not the right thing. But what really needs to be understood is why this happened and how it happened. And uh, I don't think we know the full story on that yet. What are the legalities of this ruling? Well, first of all, uh, it's, a, it's a local jurisdiction in New York, and uh, the law there is whatever it is, and I presume that there will be people challenging it. Um, it is, um, it is uh, 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 extraordinary. Uh, uh, good lawyering from the uh, side that says you can't do this should actually get set aside. But uh, we're in a situation of hysteria, and so you know, and this is 
uh, it's, it's, it's not at all clear what will happen. Um, uh, courts generally leave these kinds of decisions uh, uh, to administrative agencies. Um, uh, other other decisions are legislative, and the court is going to have to, some court somewhere is going to have to decide whether uh, the action of the uh, of the city government uh, exceeded the authority that was granted to them, and then um, they by the legislature, and then the uh, issue will have to be uh, decided as to whether the law itself, if it isn't being violated, is itself. Uh, uh, Defendable. Um, the in- individuals have the right to um, uh, choice uh, in health care, and this is clearly a violation of that right. Uh, there are certainly occasions where governments may violate fundamental rights. Uh, they are extraordinary. There are very, ser- very clear standards that need to be met. Um, uh, there's no uh, factual basis that you could say creates such a situation. Um, the factual case here is is non-existent for justifying this kind of action, um, and uh, it's very. I, I think the most important thing uh, for Americans to uh, look at is those people who have been um, almost mindlessly arguing that um, vaccines are safe and should be used, utilized in accordance with the. Um, CDC mandate uh, need to understand that they're creating that their argument is supporting huge power for government to inter, inter, uh, intrude, intervene into the lives of individuals, and uh, this um, this is an extraordinary action. Um, uh, there is no there. I cannot see. I cannot even imagine. I have not heard any sound justification for this kind of action on the part of a government. Uh, And in fact, it raises serious questions as to whether that policy of ordering this kind of behavior might itself endanger the health of the community. And so um, uh, that's got to be looked into pretty, pretty carefully. First thing, someone ought to go right there to court and get an injunction and stop this thing. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully that will happen. We haven't seen that happen yet. But, you know, you bring up a very good point, Jim. And one of the things that seems to be ignored in all of this is the physiological effects on other people of uh, a vaccination such as they are mandating. You know, it's pretty clear from science that's pretty well accepted that once you are vaccinated with this particular vaccine, that there is a great likelihood of a shedding effect of that virus and that other individuals could very well contract that same illness uh, as a result of that. Uh, would, you, would you speak to that a little bit? Well, the, the, the main point that the point that you're making is that uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a specific point of the general overview that uh, even the best of advocates for vaccine use do not know enough of science to be able to say what the effect of what they're doing is. And what you're citing is that vaccines can spread disease, and, and they do. Uh, right now, the CDC is very, very concerned about the current pertussis vaccine 
which seems to make people more vulnerable, seems to make communities more vulnerable to pertussis uh, virus, whooping cough virus, than if they weren't vaccinated. Uh, in the case of the measles, uh, the, the, it is very clear that uh, there's a very, um, a very rare but 100% fatal disease called subacute sclerosing panencephalitis, which, uh, uh, which evidence suggests is acquired by anyone by by a very small number of people who have circulating needles, measles antibody when they receive the shot. Um, that means that if you do an entire community, you have a chance of actually just sh- uh, giving a shot to someone and telling them. Uh, the problem that we have here is on measles is it's not that serious a problem in this country. Um, uh, the Go ahead. You have, I hear you have a question. No, no, no. I, what you're absolutely right, and and we were, you know, you were just mentioning, which reminds me of the, you know, 2015 incident at Disneyland, and they really sort of neglected, or the media neglected, to uh, point out that 86 percent of the people that that contracted measles at Disneyland were fully vaccinated. Huh. <laughs> That's, that's, that's another one of the scientific issues, um, and whatever the percentage is, even if it's 10%, that's, uh, that's, a, that's evidence that we don't know enough about vaccines to be able to confidently say that we can, in fact, do what the CDC is recommending. Uh, it's, uh, and in addition to that, um, childhood vaccines, the chickenpox is an example, childhood vaccines, which are relatively mild, uh, can impart lifetime immunity, but childhood vaccination appears not to uh, create uh, lifetime immunity. So that there is a very serious possibility that the shingles problem that we have may actually be the direct result of childhood chickenpox vaccines. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, the, the, issue, the fundamental issue that I'm making on that side of the issue uh, of, the, of, the, of the debate is that we act as if we know everything we need to know, and what we're finding out is that there are a lot of things that we don't know that we really need to know before we mandate vaccines for everyone and before we start forcing people off the streets. <clears throat> these are these are. Uh, powers of government that are reserved for the most extreme situations when there are very serious threats to communities. Uh, there is no threat to any community by measles. That's just any argument that that's the case is untrue. Uh, secondly, uh, any effort to try to protect any particular individuals by a vaccine uh, is not at all clear that they aren't putting individuals at risk by doing that as we, as the kinds of things we just discussed. So it is not a reasonable uh, a way for a community to act, a community's government to act. And uh, it's very important uh, for that to be heavily scrutinized and understood before the spreads. So, so Jim, how do you see this situation affecting other communities around the country? Well, I, I personally, my impression in looking at the issue is that the country is in the grip of a hysteria, uh, which is the take the vaccine hysteria. 
the, the problem is that uh, uh, some somewhere like California, we have not, almost 95% uh, uh, vaccinated population in 1994, uh, in uh, uh, 2016. Uh, you uh, go and pass a law mandating uh, that the other 6% get uh, vaccinated with 10 vaccines. That's not, there, there's no, there's no rationale for that at all. Now, uh, they have a lot of arguments that they make up to say that they're, um, that they're doing this uh, properly and makes sense. But I think there are, there are driving forces behind uh, spreading these vaccines. Uh, the spreading the vaccine is a very serious problem. The best thing for any community is to be able to uh, resist infectious diseases with their natural immune systems. That should be the national uh, health policy. That's what makes communities safe. Vaccines are a, a way of bolstering uh, the primary way of doing things. It's a backup. It's a way of, uh, if we, if, 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 if it's, a, it's an extremist kind of approach. Uh, and um, uh, it's interesting, uh, uh, the argument is made, for example, uh, smallpox is a very, very serious uh, disease that, in fact, is the one uh, danger uh, to the community that's under, uh, that set up the basis of the right of, the, of a community to create a, a vaccination mandate. However, um, in the worldwide program to eradicate um, uh, smallpox, Mandatory vaccination and even um, extensive vaccination was not the policy that was used. It was, tar- it was selective targeted vaccination to very specific identified groups uh, in, in the way of the, of the uh, epidemic that was approaching. Uh, and in the law, when you look at every instance where there has been a mandate upheld, it has been in the context of an actual a viral threat. So, you know, there's so much that we can talk about here, um, Jim, and I wish we could really spend much, much more time, but that is all the time we've got here for today. So thank you, well, Jim Turner. Well, I appreciate very much the opportunity to be here and uh, look forward to our next conversation. And be sure to tune in next week. And of course, be sure to submit your burning question. The next one we answer may be yours. I'm your co-host, Roddy Iglesias. And I'm your co-host, Peter McCarthy. So long for now from the Wellness Connection, brought to you by Wave and Neurobiologics. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Wellness Connection with Roddy Iglesias and Peter McCarthy. Be sure to join us for another episode next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again next week.